Ah, but is it art? That old, tediously repeated question whenever bricks are laid, beds disarranged, or lights go on and off, the artist defensively responds, it's art because I'm an artist and therefore whatever I do is art. Hello, I'm Petra Vernon and this is Mostly Essays. Today we have a collection of over 16 essays. Essays written by Julian Barnes, the winner of the Man Booker Prize. The collection's entitled Keeping an Eye Open. A little bit about Barnes, he's the author of over 20 previous books, and like I've said before, he's received the Man Booker Prize, as well as uh, numerous awards. His work has also been translated into more than 30 languages, and he's out of London, and he has a website entitled his name, julianbarnes.com. Julian's work has been described as or himself as a writer the criticism of a writer like barnes deserves to be celebrated for its prose at the same time as its intelligence criticism that functions as its own literary property says adam england of san francisco chronicle the collection's been described as a hawk-eyed understanding from the man booker prize winning self best self-selling author of his book, The Sense of an Ending and Levels of Life. The writer or author himself notes of Falbert that Falbert believed that it was impossible to explain one art form in terms of another and that great Brat paintings required no words of explanation. Brat thought the ideal state would be reached when we said nothing at all in front of a painting, but it is a rare picture that stuns or argues us into silence. Today, we'll read an excerpt from the chapter entitled, So Does It Become Art? Art changes over time. What is art changes too? Objects intended for devotional, ritualistic, or recreational use are recategorized by latecomers from another civilization who no longer respond to these original purposes. In the 19th century, life casting was to sculpture what photography was to paint in, and each was viewed by the senior art form as a cheating shortcut. Their virtues of speed and unwavering realism also implied their limitations. They left little room or no room for the imagination. For many, life casting was an insult to the sculptor's creative gesture. Rodin says it happens fast and it doesn't make art. Others fear that the whole canon of aesthetics might be blown off course. If too much nature was allowed in, it would lead art away from its proper pursuit of the ideal. Time changes our view in another way too. Each new art movement implies a reassessment of what was, has been done before. What is done now alters what was done previously. In some cases, this is merely self-serving with the new art using the old to justify itself. Looking how all of the points to all of this points to this or that, aren't we clever to be the culmination of everything that has gone before? But usually it is a matter of re-alerting the sensibility, reminding us not to take things for granted. However, so often we need the aesthetic equivalent of a cataract, cataract of operation. 
Once at a show at the Musée d'Orsay, uh, there was a white pasta cast of a Balsic dressing gown weirdly standing up by itself as if the novelist had momentarily slipped out of it and just left it there defying gravity. Many curators would doubtlessly put it in for the stunning cast of the hand of a giant from Barnum's Circus, entitled Wax Cloth Wood Glass, measurements 15 by 34 by 19.5 centimeters in the year 1889. The initial impact is on the eye, in the contradiction, which Muick constantly exploits between unexpected size and extreme verisimilitude. Next, the human element kicks in. You note that the nails are dirt-encrusted and the paddy fingertips extend far beyond them. Was the giant an anxious snore, or does giantism mean that the flesh simply outgrows the nails? Then you take in the element of choice, arrangement, art if you like, the neat pleated button sleeve end that gives the work balance and a variation of texture. This is just a molded hand, yet the part stands utterly for the whole, and an item on public display, it reminds us slyly, poignantly, of the full-size original who, in his time, was just as much a victim of Gothen. Ah, but is it art? That old, tediously repeated question whenever bricks are laid, beds disarranged, or lights go on and off. The artist defensively responds, it's art because I'm an artist and therefore whatever I do is art. Yes, of course it's art. Of course you're an artist and your intentions are serious, I'm sure. It's just that this is very low-level stuff. Try giving it more thought, originality, craft, imagination interest in a word. The great short story writer John Schaeffer once said that the first canon of aesthetics is interest. Most art is, of course, bad art. A large percentage of art nowadays is personal, and bad personal art is the worst of all. The judge of a poetry competition once told me of his experience of wading through thousands upon thousands of amateur poems. It felt, he said, as if most of them had just cut off a chunk of themselves, a hand or a foot, wrapped it up and sent it in. We shouldn't doubt that it was poetry, just to say Tracy Emmons' work is art. And here we should applaud the poet Craig Rain for introducing the term homeopathic, which describes work whose artistic content is so dilute that it cannot have any more aesthetic effect than a placebo. But... What doesn't work for literature works much better for art. Pictures do escape their creator's intentions over time, though a reader does grow more powerful. We believe too little, you see, and aesthetically know too much. So we recreate, we find new categories of pleasure in the work. Equally, the lack of artistic intention in Paul Richards and other forgotten craftsmen who brushed oil onto flesh, who molded, casted, and decorated and primped a century and more ago, is no longer relevant. What counts is the surviving object and our living response to it. And our tests for this are simple. Does it interest the eye, excite the brain, spur the mind to reflection, move the heart, and further, is an apparent level of skill involved, much currently fashionably, 
fashionable art bothers only the eye and briefly the brain, but it fails to engage the mind and the heart. It may, to use the old dichotomy, be beautiful, but it is rarely true to any significant depth. On this subject, by the way, we should follow not Keats but Larkin. I have always believed that beauty is beauty, truth, truth. That is not all he know on earth, not all he need to know. One of the constant pleasures of art is its ability to come at us from an unexpected angle and stop us short in wonder.